and welcome to this episode of Battling with Business with me, Chris Kitchener. And me, Gareth Tennant. In this podcast, we're hoping to explore ideas and concepts around teams and teamwork, leaders and leadership and all things in between. It's a discussion between a former Royal Marines officer and a product manager from the world of business, comparing and contrasting our experiences as we attempt to work out what makes teams, leaders and businesses tick. And this week's podcast is sponsored by, hang on, let me look at the bottle. It is a Cote Chalonnais Bourgogne Pinot Noir, uh, which is left over from our Christmas wine. So I do wish we were actually sponsored by all of these. It mate. would be very nice. So if there's actually someone listening to this who happens to be a CEO of a leader of a wine importer or a wine company. Or a brewery. Frank, or, frankly, yeah. anyone really, yeah. isn't it? There's an Sports element of... car emporium, you know. <laughs> So anyone who's got any good stuff, good stuff, we yeah. would love to hear from you. Um, well, look, let's let's talk about the topic for today. And it was interesting. We we before we started to, to sort of again pull the curtain back on how these things work, we frequently sit down and discuss what we might talk about. There's a couple of topics which we'll we'll, we'll come on to in future weeks. Uh, but the moment we started talking about this topic, I think both of us got. Geekily excited, is that the right word? I think um, that's fair, yeah. So, uh, Gareth, would you like to reveal the topic of this week's discussion? We're going to talk about meetings and what's the point in meetings. There was a good dramatic pause there by me. Um, I don't know how you feel. I think meetings are one of these things where you absolutely have a love-hate relationship there are the meetings that are fantastic and you walk away an inch higher thinking that you've made excellent progress. And then there are these other meetings that are terrible. So I think today our goal is to sort of explore some of that, talk practically about how, you know, give some examples of some bad meetings and some good meetings that we've been through uh, with names redacted perhaps and companies redacted, but also maybe touch on some of our pet peeves, maybe a reasonable place to start Gareth Talk about a good or a bad meeting that has stood out to you and why. Well, I, I think before we do that, actually, it's worth talking about this current zeitgeist for demonising meetings, because we've all had, as you say, we've all had bad meetings, and I'll give you some examples in a moment. But there's a current as I said, zeitgeist for this demonising of meetings because... They waste our time. And of course, like emails, like commuting, like all of the other stuff that happens in between actually getting on with whatever productive thing we do, it feels like these things are distractions. But of course, that's the lifeblood of an organisation is, is the stuff that happens in between the productivity, because otherwise you don't know how to be productive. Well, I, I mean, for me, I'm going to allow the site guys to roll for a little bit longer before I roll it back is another word for a meeting is a conversation. Yes. If you said I need to meet with colleagues or across functions or with people who work for me and have important conversations, nobody would bat an eyelid. Yeah. But if you call it a meeting, I think people get very touchy about that. One of the reasons why people don't like meetings, and there are many, and I think we'll hopefully touch on some of those, is I would declare impatience. And you, you said it perfectly, which is people who don't like spending time 
talking about things rather than doing things. And I've met so many people in this world like, enough talking, we should just do it. And there is, as with all of these things, I think there is a significant amount of truth there, which is there is a point at which doing is more important than talking. But I also think there are far too many people that are impatient and effectively are saying, I believe I have learned everything I need to know. We should stop talking. And so there's a real sense there that beware if you don't like meetings because you think we should be doing stuff, that's fine. But are you saying we should stop this meeting because I'm good to go? Or are you saying we should stop this meeting because truly we are good to go? Yeah, I think that's a really, really valid point. And the the idea that because somebody is informed, that meeting is not worthwhile kind of highlights this need for greater communication. We've talked a lot about the need for creating shared consciousness across the organization about bringing the strategy out of the boardroom and into the operations we've talked about the value of having a good culture about using the the diverse skills experiences and people in an organization to create new ways of thinking and new ideas all of this happens in through, meetings through meetings through communications but i do think the last few years the covid pandemic as well as the the growth in uh, online capabilities because of course vtcs were creeping in well before the pandemic sorry vtcs video tele teleconferencing a, a, a very archaic way of saying or, you know, or an online we're meeting. doing a zoom or we're doing a team yeah, or we're doing whatever your particular and I, I think there is a whole dynamic there that we've had to learn to do online meetings. And you know, most people aren't that comfortable seeing themselves on a screen, talking to a camera. So skills that have to be, be developed. Um, and I think so there's a, there's a certain level of discomfort that we are now more and more being exposed to, which probably creates a little bit more animosity to the idea of meetings. But I think also, fundamentally, at its core, as you say, a meeting is just a way of communicating. It's a conversation. But there is a skill to running conversations, especially when there's more than two people. So meetings of three or more, there is a skill to running meetings effectively. It's all about context and it depends, which is there is no one simple rule for how you do a meeting. There are different kinds of meetings with different kinds of rules to get different kinds of outcomes. Uh, You know, let's, let's pin our, pin our colors to the mast as it were. I, I agree with you. I think meetings are really important. So I would say very clearly, if you think a meeting sucks, it's because you're doing it wrong. Yeah. Or you're missing the point of the meeting. Or, the or the you're meeting. not necessarily relevant to that meeting. That's a, that's, and that's that does happen. And, and yeah. so there is a lot of frustration from it's easier just to invite lots of people and, and then you'll ensure that you capture the right we're, people than doing the hard work of actually working out who needs to be there. I think I, I, we, we definitely didn't prepare this, but I sense there's going to be top five things we hate about meetings that will, we, we should, we should almost sort of bring it together. Well, there's there's, there's a clickbait title for YouTube right there, isn't it? Top five things we hate about meetings. Ah, see, should we do clickbaity titles? I don't know. See, there's me thinking that the, the audience for this podcast aren't going to. They're better than that. They're better than that. Yeah. And then I think, 
Yeah, no, no. <laughs> you know, everyone looks for that in that nanosecond. Anyway, well, look, before we, before we dive in, because I think there are so many different aspects to meeting that can make it good or bad. There's, there's no one simple one. Let's, let's pick at almost at random some good and bad meetings that we've done and, and just start anchoring it there. So I don't know, do you, do you have a good or a bad meeting you want to talk about? I'm going to start with a bad meeting, which gets to the heart of what we've been talking about. While I was regular military, there was a, an organisation I worked for that was all about communications. That's kind of what they focused on doing. And yet internally, some really bad dynamics. And I learned... I learned lots in my military career about leadership, teamwork, all the things we talk about. But this particular organisation, and I won't mention who or what it is, but in the less than two years I was there, I learned just as much from the bad behaviour. But isn't that good sometimes? Oh, hugely valuable to my education, deeply destructive to my mental health at the time really difficult organization to be part of well but that in itself is such an interesting statement which is if you do it wrong it can have a disproportionate impact on the people so not only is it not effective but i'm pretty sure every time someone put a meeting in your diary oh my god can i not be there for that so anyway yeah, sorry carry yeah, on absolutely. this this was a bad meeting so I, I think we'll come back to that organization because there's lots of lessons there in, in future podcasts but but there was a particular individual who had got this bug about we waste too much time in this organisation talking and not doing. And I don't disagree with that assessment at all. I think that was very true. However, the solution that he came up with was we're going we're gonna to have a weekly operations update meeting. So what is it that everybody across this organisation is doing? How are they working towards you know, the strategic goals that we're trying to achieve? It's a, an opportunity for the senior middle management to senior management to have those conversations. And he would say, right, 15 minutes. This meeting will last no longer than 15 minutes. And then the agenda was so tight that everybody was given down to the nearest five seconds a slot of time to report back on what they've been doing or update on solving this problem or, or whatever it was and if they didn't finish let's say you had 15 seconds at 15 seconds he would interrupt and say right that's your time we're moving on and, and all that happened well, well it's twofold one people got cut off mid-conversation mid-flow so you didn't get the critical information about what's happening because most of the time people start to tell the story about what has happened before they then go on to say what they've done about it so you've got the what had happened bit and then they'd be cut off so quite often you'd have to have a whole load of meetings afterward with individuals to say I need now, to let, now let me tell you what i didn't wasn't allowed yeah, to say let's have that conversation which is a really inefficient way of doing it but secondly everybody concentrated so much on keeping to time that they didn't concentrate on the quality of what they were imparting as information so they were rushing through things they were wave topping subjects that are quite complex they would quite often just give a uh, a sort of one-liner sense of what they were up to and all that meant was that any issues they had that needed other people in the organization to you know, help them with 
weren't addressed, weren't even identified. And, and, and what I noticed was that this meeting was a weekly meeting. And after four or five weeks, people just turned up with their pre-planned pithy 15 second transmission burst of, of what they'd been up to. And what you ended up with was 15 minutes of going around the room with people saying, here's my elevator pitch on how good I am. Not, this is where we need to discuss issues and work as a team. And at the end of that 15 minutes, people came out not really feeling like they knew any more about what was going on without any further direction. And like I say, having to hold a whole load of other meetings. That as a first example, I think is a really good one because I think there's some things in there I like and some things in there I don't like. But the, you've, you've already got my two, my first two things for me to rant about in terms of meetings. The first one is about meetings that are focused on activity and not progress. Yeah. And so, you know, that is the, I'm just going to tell you what I've done and we're all going to celebrate that we've done things this yeah. week. That's really bad. And of course, what you do there is not identify your problems identify because that's what not you what you haven't I done. Do. Exactly. Because that's, yeah. And the second thing, which, so I, I have a particular bias for this one. People who think adhering to meeting rules is more important than the yeah. actual outcome of the meeting. Yeah. And I want to put this in context. And I'm going to go back and qualify this very carefully, saying, but put this in context. I am very lucky. I'm in businesses that you know generate millions, if not hundreds of millions of dollars over the years. And so therefore the decisions we make have significant impacts on what we're going to do. And the idea that it is more important to finish a meeting at minute 60, because that's what the calendar says, than that we come to the right outcome for the business makes me insane. Yeah. Now, here's the qualification. Good meeting structure is important. And don't get me wrong, we have lots of meetings in a day, so they can't just overrun all the time. So that's, that's fine, but there's a difference. There's when that critical meeting is coming to minute 60 and you're in the middle of a critical conversation and someone says, we have to stop now because we've got the conversation about which stapler we're going to buy for the business. Let's be really, really careful yeah. about that. But the second thing that comes from this as well is about how you structure meetings and how you create good outcomes. So you, you talked about the, you know, the negative side of, saying to people you've got 15 seconds or whatever it was to declare your update. There is, a, there is actually a, a positive thing in there. And I'm gonna be, be generous and suggest the person running this meeting was, was attempting to do this, which is there is also a skill in effectively communicating your progress and the topics. Yeah. There are, and, and frankly, this takes practice and coaching because the first time you say to someone, give me an update, they'll talk for an hour. It's mm. like, I will tell you everything. And then I, and then I had breakfast and then I met Bob and it was great. And so there is an element of time constraints when done appropriately can be valuable. That said, from what you've described, this was more about, I just want a meeting that happens in 15 minutes. Cause I think I've read that was a good thing. Yeah. And that, that was the irony of, of course, of the whole thing was that this was all about making meetings better and all that ended up happening was they were probably well it's, it's the default bad meeting that i've gone to as my example in in all of my career 
the the idea of timekeeping and the skill of managing meetings you're entirely right you know that is vital because the opposite of course is just anarchy it's just you know we're just going to end up talking and there's there's a really i think brilliant communications process that the military has developed because they've had to which is how do you impart the plan to a whole body of people and we've talked about military structures before but you can have let's let's talk about the land army for example you can have a core with several divisions below those divisions are brigades below those brigades are battle groups below those battle groups are companies and squadrons below those companies and squadrons are troops and platoons sections all the way down to the individuals who are going to be doing the operation how do you impart knowledge intent objectives information and intelligence about the ground and all of this stuff in a way that is going to be succinct but also memorable and so over time the military has created structures for the way that we impart orders and the way you deliver orders is always the same in terms of the headings and the process that you go through so that when you're cold and when you're tired you are comfortable and familiar with the way information is being presented to you having said that it's not robotic so one of the real emphases that is put on to commanders junior commanders senior commanders as they go through staff courses and training and you know, development through their careers is all about how do you tell the story how do you stick to a structure that is familiar that is succinct that isn't waffly that keeps just to the detail without it being monotonous robotic how do you bring it to life so there are there are things within a set of orders and this is now the nato standard that are things like the concept of operations which is a very small section of the orders where you tell a story of how you see the operation unfolding and you walk them through that story it's an arc it's you know this is where we are then we're going to do this and this is what's going to happen at the end and then you go on to say and your part in the plan is this so this is your mission and you you go through this orders process it's very logical and at every level of command there is a a sort of standard or an expected time that that should take now of course if the mission is particularly complex it might take longer sure. if it's really simple or it's something you've done before it might be shorter but there's a general expected time which allows you not to indulge in fantasy and so this is interesting I, conversation. later i want to talk about a structure for a really a really excellent meeting i've participated in i'd love to talk about that and it has a similar thing about time again i want to reiterate if you are rigid about all meetings are all the same and must be like this you're in a bit of trouble so yeah. we're giving examples the trick of the person who's in charge is to understand okay which one of these do i use and how do i bend it to get there but yeah. you, you said something else that was very important i think we ignore i think we take for granted which is you said about not being robotic and telling a story there is a huge part to play for the people leading any meeting and frankly, even the participants to ensure that it is not boring. So yeah. 
and it is not repetitive and it's not, well, I'm just going to fall asleep. So, you know, you've described a very, for want of a better word, rigid way of delivering orders, but actually the best orders are the ones where the person delivering it makes you forget that this is a structure, you know, every time, yes. you know, you're, you're, yeah. you're telling a story and it's engaging, it's compelling, it's important. It's, there's a sense of, of, you know, urgency about it. There's a sense of interest. There's a, that all these things. And you might say, but this is just, a you know, I, I've joked and said, this is a meeting about deciding what staplers we're going to buy. No, you know, you need to make those meetings interesting and compelling for people so they don't switch off. Well, this is, Natalia said this in her talk about bringing fun into, into you know, the, the work, the world of work. Everything we do, we spend so much of our time doing work that we should make it fun. We should make it engaging. And if, if the conversation is about deciding on a stapler, the people who really don't want to decide on a stapler shouldn't be in the room. I agree. And they're only the people who are passionate about staplers should be the people in the room. You're, you're smiling at me. You're looking at me like I would well, be one of those people. You know, it's, it's a fairly facetious example. Don't so, get the board in to talk about ordering staplers. Don't get everybody off the production line to shut down the machines to come in to talk about what colour the banner should be. 100%. Absolutely put the time into preparing the meeting in advance who should be there how long is it going to take what is it you're trying to get out of it and what do you want people to walk away from that meeting knowing and feeling i, I want to go back to the fun one so I, over my career you know there's lots of stuff that i've done time and time again and so there's very few moments that really stand out and, and this one stood out to me was when i left an organization I'd worked with a development team in India. And when I left, one of those engineers reached out to me and said, Chris, I just wanted to say we'll miss you. We always knew when you were running the meeting, we were going to have fun. Now, that's because I have a slightly stupid sense of humor. Like you, I think it's important. But however you do that, and it has to be natural, that was that I was really touched by the fact they called that out as something that they will miss because everyone knows how, how tricky meetings can be. Yeah. I think there's a really important point, though, with the idea of fun, bringing fun into meetings. Yes. Is that we can quite often corporatize fun fun and make it not very fun at all. And that Today's is not, joke yeah. is going to be, or, Bob, you have to read out today's joke. Yeah, absolutely. And, or, or it's about, you know, we're going to have meetings to make everybody more fun. You know, the beating will continue until morale improves and 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 actually that's that's counter to what you're trying to achieve and one of so i've given an example of a a really bad organization within the military to counter it the best organization i ever worked for so much so that and this this organization is based down in plymouth where the majority of royal marine units seem to be based down in the southwest so much so that my wife and I look back at our time in Plymouth and, and that was sort of a highlight in our young married lives because we really enjoyed living there because I really enjoyed working. I would go to work with a smile on my face because everything I did, and it was quite a meeting intensive job that I was doing. I was working you know, for a very demanding unit with very demanding people, but I liked it. It was fun, it was enjoyable. And the meetings we had were 
military in structure. You know, there was no the fluffiness around the edges. It was very much, we're in a very serious business and, and what is currently happening in the world is you know, pretty serious stuff. Operations were happening all over the place that we were involved in. And yet I could go into the meetings relaxed, confident, happy, and know that, yeah, sometimes we were discussing some pretty difficult subjects, some pretty difficult decisions would have to be made. But at all times, we were doing it as a collective team. And the, the various commanders I had throughout my, my time down in Plymouth, each of them were, were brilliant in their own ways, all very different, different characters, but they all allowed us to be part of meetings where you didn't feel like you were the subordinate that had to present your homework or you, know, you were part of a team and we were collectively working towards a challenge, which was the opposite of, you know, probably after the break, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about one of the meetings that I've done and we'll go into a bit more detail on that. And I think there are ways that you can help engender that. Yeah. So for me, I am want to smile and make a little bit of a joke here and there, you know, just to break the tension. Life is difficult enough. It is without me, yeah. but, but it, you don't all have to make jokes. It can be as simple as what are you doing this weekend? How yeah. was the last weekend? You know, whether you care about football or formula one or the weather or whatever it might be, but what we're poking frequently is if you think the art of the meeting is simply to set a time and a calendar and even write an agenda, which most people are told that's what you need to do. And I'll talk about that later. You're missing the point. There yeah. is an art in running the meeting. And that actually can make a massive difference if the person running the meeting is the dullest person in the world who is not engaged or is, you know, doesn't care or is trying to do something that no one else is trying to do. Yeah. That's a real, real problem. Yeah, I, I agree. And I, I think the telling part for me is when you've got bad news to deliver because something has gone wrong or a problem has appeared or the black swan that you weren't aware of has reared its ugly head and you go into that meeting not worried or scared that you've got to present bad news. It makes a difference. Those meetings are, are being run correctly because yep. you've, it's all the things we've talked about before, you know, it's the honesty to front up and say, these things are not going the way we said they were going to go. Knowing that what isn't going to happen is people aren't going to use that as leverage to throw spears at you, or the boss isn't going to shout at you. And, and those meetings in Plymouth were exactly that. So I would quite often, the job I had was, led me to have to go in quite regularly and say, things are not going the way we thought they were going to go, or this really bad thing has happened. And it was a really difficult thing. And the fun element, fun is perhaps the wrong word, because when you're talking about you know, life and death situations, but it's the relaxed atmosphere that when I present bad news, people have got my back. We've, we've, we've talked about in previous meetings that this is something that I realise one of my roles as a more senior person is. In high stress situations, one of the techniques I consciously use is to slow things down, Yeah, is to try and diffuse some of the fear. And it, it relates to what you were saying, which is to create an environment where people can think, people can be honest, and there isn't, we're all going to die, we're all going to die. There's another topic I want to dig, to sort of dig into. You talked at the beginning about this idea that meetings 
people say, get impatient, say we, we've talked too much, now we should do things. I think it's really important to understand there are different kinds of meetings. Yeah. Not every meeting is about coming up with the action plan. Not every meeting is about what did we do? What are the progress? What are our goals? I am a, again, this is my bias. And I, I actually, it's important to say people are wired differently. So there are some people who will be screaming at me saying this and there'll be other people nodding, which is I believe passionately there is room for a meeting where there is no structured agenda. There is an outcome, but it's, yeah. it, what I'm trying to get at is a creative meeting, a yeah. meeting that says, I want to bat something around. There's an idea there, or there's a concept there. There's a problem there. I don't know the answer, but what I do know is by talking about it with a group of people, either in a structured or sometimes even an unstructured way could be valuable. So I, I would regularly back at the Adobe days would wander across to my product architect's office and we would talk about things. Yeah. And I actually was always nervous that people would see me walking into his office so many times and say, well, all you do is you just go into his office and chat about whatever. No, no. We actually, over a period of many, many hours, came up with a very, very well thought out and iterated on strategy. So I think it's also important that you're very clear about what the purpose and type of meeting is. It's okay to have a meeting where you chat. Yeah. If you are clear, that is the value of that meeting yeah. and everyone understands that. Because otherwise, I've been in meetings where people say, we've talked too much. Yeah. And you say, no, 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 that was the purpose of the meeting because I don't think we've really bottomed this out. Yeah. Good ideas and well thought out answers don't happen in 30 seconds in a meeting. There are different kinds of meetings. And in fact, if you sort of have the fluffier, I want to kick a problem around meeting at one end and the ruthless, where are we meeting? I would also argue there are many grades in between. Absolutely. And I think that there's informal meetings as well. So there's those like the cliche is the water cooler moment, mm -hmm. you know, but as an organization, as a, as a leader in an organization, you can facilitate those. So you can give people more time. You can give people more opportunity. And in the military, there's, there's this really odd dynamic and part of it i guess comes back to the old tradition of you've got the officers the commissioned officers the ncos and then the uh, the juniors for the enlisted soldiers and and uh, what we call junior ncos non-commissioned officers so you've got these three distinct groups and traditionally the officers have what's called a mess or in the navy a wardroom and the senior ncos will have their mess and at 11 o'clock on a working day across all military bases, not quite without exception, but routinely there will be coffee. And, and if we're lucky, buns, just to be clear, it, yeah. buns are important. Sorry, this is going back to cut, my military cut back. days. <laughs> cut backs, okay. But yeah, okay. Co coffee and biscuits. And, and it, it's a really, as a junior, junior officer, I found this to be a, a bit of a lark. It's a... You know, stand easy. It's, it's an opportunity to, you know, shut my computer down or not have a meeting booked in and and go and have a coffee and chat with my mates. And and very quickly, it didn't take long for me to realize how important that was because you get so much done by having a coffee 
chatting about, get venting on the frustrations of what's just happened or what's happening, talking to people, overhearing conversations, and then a senior or more senior officer might walk in and say, glad you're here, gents, just listen in, or you know, ladies and gents, there's this you know, particular thing that's happened. I'm not going to talk about it. I don't want to disturb your coffee, but just so you're aware, this has just happened. I'm working on it. And, and, and the CEO once a week might come in. But and... isn't, isn't that interesting that I think that as sort of a concept of the stand easy period where you have these informal interactions. And likewise, as you say, you're absolutely right. Everyone, everyone understands and talks about not only as a practical, but as a concept, the water cooler moment. Yeah. And yet, if you said, I'm going to put an hour in the diary for us to, you know, chat about stuff and not have an agenda, yeah. people think you're insane. Yeah. And the first thing to go, you know, whenever there's an external consultancy come in to work out how you can be more lean, you know, the first thing to go are these intangible things, but they are vital. It goes back to the creativity. Well, look, let's take a quick break and we'll be back in just one second. Welcome back. So before the break, we were talking about meetings. We've been talking about good meetings, bad meetings. And as always, we don't have the answers. We don't think there is a template for what makes a good meeting. And it's context-driven. You were going to talk about... Yeah, it's a, it, this, one, this one's an example of a bad meeting. And okay. it, very different from the meetings, the meeting that you talked about. This one maybe is about communication and accountability. Yeah. And I think this happens more often than you would imagine. And I'll give sort of variations. But this was back in my relatively early product management career. There was a meeting that was put in my diary that a director wanted me to give an update on a, a feature I was building or a project. It, actually, it might even been of a release. And so I went away and spent, you know, a couple of hours presenting, preparing some slides. And like a good product manager, I thought, uh, right, what is it I want to tell this person? I've got lots of important and interesting things to tell them. You know, this turns out this was harder than we thought, but this happened, all these kind of things. Turned up at the meeting with 20 slides of, of fabulousness. Three slides in, all of a sudden, the, the meeting went off the rails. All of a sudden, we were talking about something very, very different. And I can't even remember what the different thing was. All I remember was sitting there for about 10 minutes going, I want to tell you what's in the other 17 slides and you're not letting me. Now, why was that a bad meeting? Well, I mean, it was a bad meeting because I felt pretty grumpy at the end of it. I would imagine the director felt pretty grumpy at the end of it. And, and why was that? It was because we weren't clear on what the actual purpose of the meeting was. Yeah. And explicitly in my diary, it said an update on X. And so I literally took it at its word and said, I will write my update on X. Actually, that, had no, that was not what the meeting was about. The meeting was about one aspect of that. They wanted to talk about what they felt was really interesting and I should be listening and important on. Yeah. And so the, the, the two things there, the first one was 
it wasn't actually clear what the purpose and the successful outcome of the meeting was. And I have that still to this day. People, this drives me nuts. People who send meeting invites across with nothing more than a date, a vague title, and a list of people attending. I hate that. I don't know what the meeting is. I don't know how to prepare. And I don't like being surprised because it's not effective. I can't be effective. Um, I know people, by the way, I think this is a little bit extreme, but maybe I'm slightly innocent, who reject meetings like that. They simply say, if you aren't able to describe an effective agenda or set of outcomes or something that helps me prepare and be effective for the meeting, it is not worth my time. So I, I think that's a privilege of the civilian workplace that the military don't have. Really? You don't get to say no to <laughs> meetings? CEO, Dear CEO General, <laughs> I have decided... You've not given me enough detail, I reject your meeting. But it's, it's so, so that, that's a really, really important one, which how many meetings have you been in where nobody actually knows what the outcome and the goals are? And we'll come, yeah, back, to yeah. a, we'll come back to agendas in a second, because I think they can be both good and bad, yeah. generally quite good. But the second thing that was really interesting about this meeting, and I'll give a... I'll give variations on this meeting that I have had over many years, which is when I was more junior, and frankly, even when I'm senior now and I'm in executive meetings, and I'm presenting a topic, am I presenting a topic for information? I am telling you something, yeah. full stop, or am I presenting something to you for you to approve? And or, or thirdly, I, I suppose the other option would to be... To discuss here is something that needs solving or Absolutely. developing and, or and, and I have found just that example, just that simple example of, are we here for you to say yes or no? Yeah. Or, nine times out of 10, that is not made clear. And so nobody knows. Yeah. And actually that's so important. And actually it's so important from an empowerment perspective because what typically happens, and this I've seen in many execs that I've worked in, we summon people to give updates and these poor people are going, I don't know whether you're going. Yeah. And we don't know. And I by don't the way, know what your expectations I don't know what expectations are. And the by... default is I'm going to present the bare minimum that could be scrutinized or expose my lack of knowledge. To some degree. Or... To some yeah. degree. And it, this comes back to the value of command. If you make it clear, the accountability, authority, and responsibility. So people aren't left in a position where they don't know what is expected of them. And therefore, they're unwilling to make decisions or they're unwilling to solve problems. And it, it applies just as much to meetings. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll put this now for, for those people listening who are perhaps more senior. So they have junior people coming to present things. There is this actually this is a really bad habit we have when junior people come present something. There is something inside us as more senior people that thinks it is my job to somehow solve their problem or make it better. In other yeah. words, we literally cannot resist commenting about how we could do things differently or better. And, and you know, you'd say, well, well, Chris, you know, that's part of what you're there for. Now, no, there is a time for that. There is a time to say, thank you for that information. You have educated me. You have told me something and I am empowering you and I'm going to make you slightly more confident in what you do by saying thank you that was really good information i've got lots of yeah. questions 
totally fine to ask questions. But the job here is for me not to say to you, by the way, um, there's a comma missing on slide three, yeah. not useful. Well, actually, I would have done it differently. Not necessarily useful. So, And a, a good leader recognises that they are the macro strategist, manager, whatever. They are solving the organisational problems. But within that, everybody has their specialisation, their role. How does the information you're giving me help me make better decisions? Correct. What do you need from me to do your job That's better? really important. And do you have any questions or problems that we can collectively help you with? It, those are the really simple things that I, I think it comes down to meeting preparation. We spend, we are all, yeah, this is a, a, an endemic problem of businesses in the information age that we fill our time really, really quickly with blocks but we don't stop to do the hard work because that takes a block of time to say who needs to be there? What do I need to be armed with in terms of information? What questions do I have? What am I expecting from others? And what proportion of this meeting is information, yeah. is problem solving, or is giving direction? I'm about to talk about something which is bad, but unfortunately in most cases is unavoidable. And that is you've talked about the importance of preparation. I live in a world where in my working week, both myself and many of my colleagues talk about back-to-back-to-back-to-back meetings. Yeah. You, you can hear the phrases, which is like, I'm not going to get any lunch today, yeah. all those kinds of things. Now, that is both a bad thing because what it literally means is there's no time for preparation or there's little or time for, or reflection. Actually, the, the preparation is important, but the reflection is even more important. And so what you do is you turn up to meetings and you busk it. Yeah. And that's always, and, and, and I, I guess the, the flip side is I've found no meeting Thursdays to be frustrating because I understand the problem they're trying to solve, but in a fast moving world, the idea that you're just going to say, I'm not going to have any meetings on Thursday is not useful. Yeah. So I understand why, but it's this is something that I wrestle with every day and, and say, there's a bit of me that says I have to have these meetings yeah. because the business isn't going to wait. But there's another bit of me that tries desperately to sort of fight this. And actually, the reality for me personally is... You know, I get up at six o'clock and at 6.30, I'm, I'm trying to do that poorly. I'm, I'm writing notes for one-on-one. So I don't turn up to a one-on-one and say, what do you want to talk about? Actually, I've thought what I want to talk about and I can invite them first, but I've got yeah. this. But, but that's, that is, I don't, I don't have a brilliant answer to that, which is we do need time for reflection and planning. But the reality is, more often than not, we don't have time for reflection. Yeah, and, and I think, I, I, I hope that the person that led the bad meeting example I gave earlier, firstly, doesn't listen to this podcast and <laughs> secondly, doesn't recognise himself. But in all fairness, that's the problem they were trying to solve. And they had all the right intentions. You know, we're going to make this 15 minutes because you all need to get on with your jobs and your life and you don't need to be stuck in a meeting room with me. That was the aspiration it was the it was the execution it was terrible and this comes back to this you know, what are meetings for firstly meetings are not the devil meetings are the lifeblood of an organization because they're how you communicate and secondly meetings have to have a purpose 
Now that purpose might not be, you know, by the end of this meeting at X yeah. time, we're going to have all of these action points. It might be, we've not had a catch up for a while. It might so be, I'm about to tell you things we are doing because you knowing about those things is highly really valuable. valuable. Yeah, yeah. It might be, we need to build a relationship. So let's have a coffee and let's talk through stuff. And and again, that that's a really difficult thing to to put into a, a diary that's full of back-to-back meetings. But we've talked before about how if you build those relationships before the crisis, the crisis is much easier yeah, to respond I agree. to. I, I feel like sort of thing. I, I feel like we're sort of frauds at one level because we, we keep talking about techniques and tactics to make things better but it honestly comes down to individuals that two people can read use the same techniques they can they can put agendas into meetings they can say what the outcome is and two people can have very radically different outcomes so maybe the statement for today is you should be under no illusion if you're a participant or you're a leader of a meeting it is your responsibility to continue to try and think carefully how to make this the best meeting that you can. Yes. And, it, and, and following the rules will probably help, but may not all the time. But I, I think also trying to build a, uh, a collaborative culture where people can, can be honest and say, be open. I don't think I need to be at this meeting. Do you? Can you yeah, that's a, why I'm turning that's, up? And, that's a really and, and if, one. if you do turn up to a meeting and it's of no value to you, having the honesty. And here, here's a question for you, because I, in the last four or five years, I've worked very, very closely with the Canadians. I go to Canada a lot, as, as the listeners will know. Um, I've worked quite a lot with the Dutch. Um, and I, I, I've worked with many other nations, but the Dutch and the Canadians I find really interesting because culturally they're quite similar to, to us Brits but subtly different. And the Dutch have this brutal honesty. So you can't bullshit the Dutch. They will pick you up on it. They will question you. They will stop you mid-brief and say, no matter who they are as well, and they'll say, that's not correct, or that's not what you told us yesterday, or I've just Googled it and this. And that's brilliant. because yeah. It keeps you on your toes and it keeps you honest. They're also very polite about it. So I don't, well, I don't for a minute want to come across but, as if they're but rude. Is, they're not. This is so direct. nice because this is this is about trust. Yeah. That's really what it is, which is I can say the most honest and straightforward things to you, and it is clear. And I mean, I, th- I think what you're describing is a cultural thing which helps them along the way. It is clear it is neither a dig at you yeah. or an attempt to discredit you or an or an attempt to be negative. See, I've, I've, this is yeah, not this, at all. Yeah. This, this is, so you're talking about cultural differences. By the way, the, the Dutch example I, I have experienced in the past as well. I think, I think Germans are very similar to that yeah, as well. Yeah. But I, what's interesting is I found another cultural norm. And, I, and by the way, again, I'm sure I will offend people for this, but I've done this for many years. So sorry, this is what I've exotic. We're, we're using, you know, big brushes to tar. Yeah, well, I don't, I, I think there are other words for what we're doing. <laughs> there are very timid but, Dutch people. I'm yeah, sure. yeah. But but in, in the US, so when yeah. you talk about a plan in the US. That was going to be my question, actually, because I haven't done a lot of me. I've done I, some, but. I, I found yeah. there are some really interesting cultural differences. So in in the US, when there's a statement that says we've got a plan and we're going to go do this, 
there is a sense that I've typically found in a number of organizations where the thing is to say, yeah, we can do this. It's all about the positive. It's focusing on the fact we can do this, why we can do this, how we're going to do this is great. You bring some Brits into the conversation and they will say, oh, that's interesting. Uh, so you're going to need to fix this problem. You need to solve this problem. And what happens is the, the Americans, see, there you go, I'm doing the thing. But often what will be seen is, you guys are just negative. You guys aren't on the program. Yeah. You need to be more on the program. And the Brits are sitting there going, this is really weird. We mm. are in the program, but we just have, our goal is to think about what we need to overcome first yeah. to get to the outcome. Yours is the outcome. And then you get to the, so I found that to be, it's this classic case of where you can be in the same meeting with two groups of incredibly motivated people yeah. who end the meeting going, those guys don't think this is going to work. And by the way, that's the Brits of the Americans, the yeah, Americans yeah. of the Brits. So and it, cultural differences, you know, that, that we've, we've backed into this. Yeah. Being sensitive to cultural differences for meetings are important. For the Canadians have a, a completely different approach in that you know, they are a, a nation that is, you know, renowned for being incredibly polite. And, and for the most part, you know, my experience with the Canadians is they are a wonderful people who are. Are you saying that because we know we have listeners in Canada? That as well. But Canadian listeners, are... tell your friends we love <laughs> Canadians and Dutch, obviously. And Dutch. They are incredibly polite, but they also won't. They won't stop you mid-flow and say I disagree, or you told us this, or, and they'll come up to you afterwards as a one-to-one, and they'll say it's interesting. I don't mean to be rude, and they're very apologetic and very uh, polite about it. But what you find is that you end up then having to go back and say, "Oh, I made a mistake," or you, know, or having that separate sidebar conversation. Or whereas the Dutch way is far more efficient. And I, for me, I I think, and I again, this is my view of culture, and it's a dangerous thing to judge entire nations of course but the bricks sit somewhere in the middle so the dutch are come over here on the left hand side of this spectrum very direct very abrupt we're in the middle the canadians are probably over further on the right and and i think that's firstly an interesting cultural perspective but secondly i think honesty in meetings is a crucial factor because there are always going to be meetings that don't work very well it is a skill. Running meetings is a skill. I think that is firstly a misunderstood point. Meetings aren't just yeah. setting, up, setting it up in a diary and then turn up and someone talks. Running a meeting is a skill. Setting an agenda is a skill. Analyzing what's required for meetings is a skill. So people have to learn. Meetings are never going to go perfectly. Having the honesty to say, this meeting didn't go very well, or I wasn't required here, or excuse me everybody we're 20 minutes into a conversation about python coding and i'm you know from hr do i need to be here for this doesn't come naturally to some cultural groups and so i think there's a there's a real need for people who run meetings managers leaders commanders to recognize that they need to once again empower their people to be honest have feedback collect feedback learn but also, during the meetings, stop and assess whether it's going well. I, I think you're, you know, we, 
I can see us being very thoughtful about talking about cultural diversity. Actually, let's put a line under this and say, this, in a sense, this has got nothing to do with cultural diversity. All uh, cultures well, are different, right? It, it, they will but, do things different. That's right. But the, the point I want to make is what you have described is different kinds of people or different kinds of outlooks in yes. meetings yeah. and actually being thoughtful about what kind of different people in the meeting and how they participate and how you want them to participate and actually what's effective. So I, in the, in the last sort of 10 minutes or so... Before you do, can I do something we've never done before? Well, hang on I'm a minute. I'm going to do a shout-out to somebody. A shout-out? Yeah. So I is this know... Radio 2? Is it a birthday? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I know we have a listener in Canada called Dylan, and I just want to make the point that Dylan is not the typical Canadian, and he's very abrupt, will tell you what he thinks, but he's also brilliant at being very direct do you owe dylan money no not at all but i really like his approach and it works really well so i just wanted to make that point because it'll make him laugh that i've mentioned him but also i want to make the point that you know whilst i've talked about entire nations i recognize there's differences there are individuals of course course. well what i want to finish on is um i talked about a meeting that was bad i actually want to finish on a meeting or a kind of meeting that i thought was really really good and i worked in a business a couple of years ago where we, as an executive team, the desire was to have an effective executive meeting. And um, a meeting structure was introduced to me, and it is something that uh, comes from the US. In fact, I think it comes from an organization called the Entrepreneurial Operating System, which is uh, an organization that's a bunch of entrepreneurs who, you know, they put Operate together systems. Well, they put together toolkits to help companies grow and lots of people using these. So okay. if you go and Google this, well, if you go and Google Entrepreneurial Operating System or EOS, I'm sure you'll find it. But this thing is called a Level 10 Meeting. Now I'm already sold. Are you? Are you sold? Well, you, you, you. I do level five. You. You know. Well, it's so interesting you say this. We'll come on to that. I think what this meeting does is it touches on so many of the things we've talked about. It offers a structure. Yeah. When I started, I was highly suspicious of this structure. I was highly suspicious of the people with very excitable voices telling me how great this was going to be. So genuinely, if you Google level 10 meeting, there are various YouTube videos which talk about it. If you believe what we say, try it, go have a look, you'll be surprised. I'm gonna go through the structure and I'm gonna talk about some elements of this. I think interesting, I'll try and do this quickly. So there are a set of principles that underlie this. By the way, this is for an executive team you can apply this to other teams, and I've yeah. done that as well. But this is specifically to that executive team that needs to come together cross-functionally. I think they're very prescriptive. Has to be the same day every week, the same time. This one is 90 minutes long, and it kind of needs 90 minutes for what we're trying to achieve in this meeting. They are very clear on the schedule, which it needs to start and end on time. And we had some coaches working with us who say, you wouldn't believe how many companies where they start 10, 15 minutes late because, well, I've been in other meetings. Yeah. I think that's going back against what I said earlier. But this is an important meeting. This isn't the stapler meeting. So they talk about having everyone in the room five minutes early, very military thing, five minute rule for starts with five minutes of good news you go around the room typically it's four or five or six people one piece of personal good news you know we said how do you make it fun how do you build a team good news my son did his GCSEs yesterday and they seem to go really well fantastic and I can see there'll be listeners now sort of rolling their eyes at that I know I, I do a little bit 
but I also the, the, I overcome my own personal bias to these things. And in my my gut says, what a silly thing to do. It's not relevant. My experience says you are building a relationship. This is vital. It, it really is. I I too rolled my eyes. And actually, the thing about all of this is you've got to practice it. You've got to you've got to put your best into and practice it. This is about realizing your peers are human beings like you. This yeah. is this is actually a better way of saying this. This is not about being polite. This is building trust and empathy yes. for your team. And so I the second thing is five minutes of KPIs, looking at numbers that matter for the business. Yeah. Whether it's financials, did we sell enough widgets? Did we build enough widgets? Did we deliver on time? And we've talked about MOP, MOE before. Exactly. Yeah, well, crucial. So level 10 talk about it. The, the EOS guys talk about a business scorecard. I won't talk about that now, but there's what are the right numbers to go look at? But five yeah. minutes. Five minutes to review quarterly goals. What did we say we need to achieve by the end of the quarter? Let's remind ourselves, because otherwise we're going to get onto the stapler conversation yeah. as opposed to the why is our business not growing the way we want. Yeah. Um, five minutes of customer and employee headlines. And typically what we would do is every week someone would be nominated to go speak to a customer or go speak to an employee and provide on the ground feedback. Yeah. superbly valuable um go do it how many people in the exec have said in the last month i went to speak to a customer for no reason other than i want to see how you're doing and i want to learn about your business fantastic the next one five minutes to review last week's to-do list yeah. you know don't spend <laughs> too much time on this it's, it's five minutes so but, but do at least acknowledge there was some correct output. well yeah. this yeah, is yeah. all about accountability yeah did we do the things we said we would do and we spent a lot of time talking about the importance of accountability yeah. the team needs to be in a safe space to call out people and say well look chris yeah last week you said you would do this and you haven't done this yeah you need to do this chris and that that frankly was one of the most awkward things about that meeting and one of the reasons why this particular business did this was there was a feeling that there wasn't that accountability and people didn't do the things they said they would do. Anyway, yep. the next bit is the biggest chunk and is called IDS issues. And it's 60 minutes and is the ability to identify, discuss and solve the most important issues. In fact, there's a process for figuring out which issues you solve. Yeah. Identify. What is the real issue? And there's discussion here. It's not just yeah, yeah. we aren't selling enough widgets. It's like, why is that? Oh, it's not that we're selling enough widgets. It's that we don't have enough salespeople. So what's and, the and real problem? that is a discussion because people have different perspectives on what the issue is. Um, You've hit that. Yeah. So the, the exec by its nature is a diverse group. Yeah. So the head of HR has an equal voice to the head of sales, as to the head of engineering, to the head of product, whoever it might be, so that's important. Uh, discuss, yeah. discuss the issue from all angles. We talked about this, enough time to discuss it and then solve, settle on a solution to solve the issue and have one or two actions that follow up with it. This, Love it. And, and by the way, in this, typically you get to do one or two, that's what the time you have. Yeah. And then five minutes of a conclusion, you wrap up and at the end, this is so good. You said, we need to know whether you've been successful or not. The whole point of the why it's called level 10 is at the end, you say, 
you go around the room and say, what score out of 10 do you, you give, give this, this meeting? meeting? And the point is you want to get 10 out of 10. Now, the final thing to sound this, and by the way, for all of you who think, well, that just sounds dumb. I can assure you, I was one of those people. <laughs> it took us four months to get good at this. The first three of these took us three hours. Yeah. And we're like, we're how can we get this done in an hour and a half? Yeah. Practice and give it your go. And when we started, they were all fives. They were all sixes out of 10. And towards the end of my time in that business, they were getting to the eight. And there were those moments where someone would say, it's an eight, it's an eight, great. And then someone would say, it's a six. And you'd go, why? You know, I think we've already talked about this before. I don't think that was, it was the ability. Yeah. There was a framework where we all knew. To give feedback. It was our responsibility to yeah. give feedback. I like rather that. Than, so go have a look, level 10. Do I think everyone in the world has to follow this? No, but I thought it was wonderful in terms of there's a structure. Yeah. There's something to practice. And frankly, it touched on so many of the things that we talked about. So my, my gut reaction to that is, well, that's, that's just common sense, isn't it? As you read through every single one, I was nodding away going, yeah, of course. And then I stopped to think about the meetings I do regularly, how many of them you know, follow even vaguely some of these things, at, at least even have a structure that says, this is what we're going to talk about. This is what we talked about. These are the outputs. This is what we're expecting for next week. Almost none of them. And so my sort of sniffing away and going, yeah, well, that's common sense. Actually, it's not that common. So I yeah. really like it. I, I think I think you're right. It's very structured. And I think you would, as a team, learn to... We really, we really had to work at it. We had to work at it. You started off and it was horrible and it was awkward. But it goes back to one of the points we made earlier, which is your bad meeting because they said you've got 45 seconds was an attempt to structure and get you to think in a certain way this one is a little bit more of a thoughtful approach to something like that well look i i think that's a great place to stop because we've we've looked at the problem we've looked at some examples and we've come up with a potential solution to that problem which i don't think is the solution. Agreed. It's, solution. it's really important. It's, yeah, it's a solution. Once again, hopefully generated some useful discussions and thoughts. In summary, I would say, for me, meetings are a skill. Yeah. Like any skill, they need to be developed. Yep. So not only do you need to get better at planning, which means giving yourself the time to think about the meeting in advance, prepare it properly, invite the right people. You've got to also bring people on let them learn how to run meetings otherwise you'll end up with the same old problem of one person leaves and then it all falls over again meetings they need preparation so this you know if you're talking about back-to-back -back meetings and it's just a common balance phrase now isn't it i've got back-to-back yeah. -back meetings if that's your life you are not being efficient you're being overloaded so we've really got to start to think about how much we're putting the pressure on other people, depressurize those programs, let people have the time to plan and prepare and the time to reflect. Easier said than done. But like all these things, the output of depressurizing, the output of slowing down when things get really stressful is, is actually 
really, really valuable. And you know, this this military mantra of you know, slow is smooth and smooth is fast. Slow it down, take time, do it well, do things better, but do less of them. You and you will overall be better. You can have a terrible it's hard meeting. To do. You can have a terrible meeting very quickly. Yes. You can have, you can have lots of terrible meetings. You can have lots very of quickly. very quickly. Or you can have three or four very useful meetings over a week where it feels like you perhaps haven't achieved as much because you're not as tired at the end of the week, but lots more people have very tangible outputs. Well, there you go. So meetings, it turns out, don't suck if you do them well. Well, I think we have to call it a day because I'm in back-to-back meetings for the rest of the evening and so I need to drop so I can go to my next call. Uh, If someone could send me the notes, that'd be fantastic. We're on Battling with Biz with a Z on Twitter if you want to follow us and probably more importantly, if you want to message us and talk to us. We're on Battling with Business with S's uh, at gmail.com if you want to email us. Uh, Thank you very much for listening. From me, that is all good night. That's all from me. Cheerio. Ding, diddle, ding, 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 ding. Hopefully, Gareth will have put in the real music here rather than me just I talking about it. Will. <laughs>